Hello and welcome to the Indie Alternative Podcast. It's me, Chris. Um, I hope you all had a lovely Christmas. We're in that strange period of time between Christmas and New Year, um, the Twixmas period. Until the New Year, uh, when hopefully Season 4 will start uh, with the podcast, I thought I'd put out some little fun episodes that I've been doing or trying to do over the last couple of weeks. So last week or week before last, I had the pleasure of speaking to Sam Shiner and I got Sam to pick her top five 90s indie bangers. And we had great fun recording this episode. Sam does pick some white corkers. Before we hear from Sam, just want to remind everyone of all the ways that you can support the podcast. So don't forget, if you're really enjoying it, write a review and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. If you can do that, that's cool. And also follow me on social media. Just search for Indie Alternative Podcast on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And lastly, if you want to financially uh, support me, there's a link to a coffee donation page in the show notes. But anyway, that's enough waffle from me. Let's hear from Sam. Welcome to the podcast, Sam Shiner. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Chris. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, busy like you, I hear. <laughs> yeah, manic Monday today. It's always good to get Monday out of the way. And it's downhill from here. Day. Yeah, exactly. And nearly Christmas. Yeah, it's very festive out there. It's uh, looking, beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It is. Yeah, I went for a run after work and I because obviously you can't really go anywhere apart from like around the local blocks. So it's nice to see everyone's Christmas decorations. Are you ready for it? That's the thing. Um, I've got my tree up. And Very nice. that's about it. No, I have. I bought some presents. So I just I've not wrapped them yet. That's normally a Christmas Eve ritual with a bottle of wine. <laughs> that's the way to do it. Last minute and uh, yeah. Yeah, half cut. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to try not to drink too much before Christmas. So I'm going to probably save the wrapping until Christmas Eve. Good idea. We'll see, though. Famous last words. Sam, it's great to have you on the show. We're doing these extra episodes just to talk about sort of, well, getting guests to choose their 90s bangers. uh, Although a favourite top five indie Britpop tunes, like stocking filler episodes, which is festive in itself. But anyone who might not know you and and, uh, or, or what you do, tell us a bit about what it is you do and, and about yourself um so yeah I think lots of people know who I am now <laughs> probably quite annoying <laughs> um well like day to day I've got a very boring job uh, my manager's into this it's a great job really I love it because my manager follows me on Twitter um but no uh, like out of my day-to-day normal life I do a lot of promoting upcoming bands um and new music and started managing a band as well this year for the first time so that's been fun and hard work and <laughs> really interesting but yeah it's, it's just kind of all spiraled out of control the last couple of years this whole new music scene and but yeah it's really great to be a part of it. When did it all start with you then with sort of guitar music and indie? Oh so obviously the listeners can't see but on the wall there's a canvas of the Libertines and that and also have them tattooed on me because they, yeah. they when it was there was like a moment so with the whole 90s music sorry it's my dog drinking in the background she always does this <laughs> um so yeah the whole like 90s scene I was only I was only quite young so that kind of passed me by like I loved Oasis because it's always on at the pub and stuff but it was never really I was never really into music um I was into like hip-hop and garage and stuff like that and then I started sixth form and all the cool kids used to listen to like really cool music um and they put the libertines on at the bracket one day and I was just like wow what is this album and that then led me on to like buying the enemy every single week and just really like heavily getting it just became my passion so yeah it's probably like 16 and 17 where it all started 
Um, so I love like started with like the noughties guitar bands like the enemy arctic monkeys bands like that it's funny isn't it how something one record or one certain track that will just instantly ignite some sort of uh, uh, inspiration in you I mean I don't I'm trying to think what the first song that was for me that got me into indie but I don't think it was any uh, track specifically but just you know changing musical tastes to like going from the rock show which was I was, I was such a heavy metaler and then I started listening to uh, Steve Lamack and Joe Wiley on the evening session and it was just a combination of me becoming a teenager going to college and all this you know Britpop music and indie music coming out and, and just getting into British bands yeah but no one like defining track but certainly most of the ones on your list I'd say were in, would be in my top I don't know, top 50 songs ever. Yeah, yeah. Great, great. I know my, my list is quite obvious, I think. I was saying to you before, it looks quite obvious, but I just went with the heart and it is the five absolute 90s Britpop bangers. Yeah, absolutely. Should we go through them one by one then? Obviously, that would be the best thing to do, considering yeah. you can't, can't do it any other way. Um, <laughs> we'll go by the list you sent me. We'll talk a bit about each track. Um, so first track that you sent me, or at least on your Spotify playlist that you sent me, um, introduce it so yeah the, the tracks are in no particular order of being my favorite they're just all five just five cool tracks so i've my first choice is the wonderful disco 2000 by pulp <laughs> you got, Sorry, a seal of approval. It's got a squeaky ball <laughs> you got a silver uh, a seal of approval there as well um <laughs> yeah ni- 1995 this was released as a single on off their probably most commercial album different class i would say um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, what is it about this track in in particular from Pulp's like vast catalogue that would say? Oh, I know. So and you could you could choose so many Pulp songs, but I think Disco Two Thousand is always yeah, just reminds me of being a kid. Uh, that's that's one of the songs I think from my childhood. Lila. <laughs> Sorry about that, Chris. But yeah, so... Disco Two Thousand. It's just like it's just one of those feel good songs, like the song that comes on at the end of the night, like weddings and things like that. Um, but yeah, you could. I could have chosen so many from Pulp. It's probably not my favourite Pulp song, but if I had to choose like five, what kind of sums for me Brit pop up? I think yeah. it's there in some ways. It's there. It's their kind of like biggest track that everyone everyone knows, don't they? Have you seen? Did you manage to see Pulp live at any time? Yeah, saw Pulp at Reading in I want to say two thousand and thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, really good. Yeah, amazing. Like Jarvis Cocker. Even now, I've not seen him for a while, but even then, just such a good front man, so much charisma. I think with Pulp, and I was talking to another guest about this recently, is that they really were one a band that you felt that you could have camaraderie with, or that felt that they were actually doing something for you. And this kind of whole Misfits song, and but it is kind of that whole kind of they were singing for the working classes, I think, and that that came across a lot more than potentially like other bands that were out at the time, like Blur. Um, Oasis were a bit like that as well, but you didn't have that kind of strong connection with anything that, that felt like Jarvis Cocker was there and he was doing this for you and he was representing you and you could do whatever you like and you could dress whatever you like, uh, how you wanted to. And I felt that, that they were different in that way that felt like you yeah. could belong to them. And it was a movement. And I think Disco 2000 is a prime example of that as well, because I come from a very working class background, even though people call me posh, but it's very, very working class. The majority of my childhood was spent in a pub most of the time like pretty much every evening my mum and dad would drag us at the pub every weekend packet of crisps and a bottle of coke 
exactly panda yeah. pop and um, but yeah I think I just kind of yeah just kind of yeah it's kind of like the whole vibe that I was always brought up in like that kind of back room and back room in the pub <laughs> this this good this song as well disco 2000 it, it's either true or not you don't know the lyrically it could be it's promiscuous obviously we don't know if he's singing about an experience that he's had or it's just one of his stories that he's able to write and can and concoct because he's incredibly clever uh, lyricist as well um mm-hmm. th- there is that mystery to the song um yeah you said quite rightly there is that element of it being anthemic and a wedding song you know it's people often scoff at um wedding music or party music but it it really is because it kind of really captures you could play anywhere couldn't you you could Mm. play like I did a bit of I put my hands in at DJ in this show at Isle of Wight Festival but you can put you can put Disco 2000 on and like everyone everyone knows it so it's just perfect but I think any any kind of like party situation, but it's just one of those feel good songs. Yeah. Like whenever but, it comes on, it just makes you want to sing and dance and yeah, yeah. it's great. But it's got a great intro. You know what it is instantly, which is another good sign. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. I'm not gonna sing. <laughs> <laughs> great track, uh, Sam. Thanks for that one. Number two. This was a difficult one for me because I love it. like Oasis are like one of my true loves. So it was really difficult to try and pick a song. But I've I've gone for it's I say again it's probably not technically my favorite oasis song but of the, all the oasis songs it's the oasis song that makes me don't know just I get like this buzz inside me you just want mm. an air guitar so I my second song is morning glory by oasis yeah and this is a really good one and a really good choice because I think it, it this was a a change in not a change in direction as much but just a more of a gutsier approach to um their sound i think because obviously everyone was so familiar and and caught up with definitely maybe and then with what's the story morning glory and this particular track was an album track although it was released in australia and i think canada as well as a single because it was more meaty for probably uh, across the pond um but it's got that it's got that gutsy appeal to it. It's it's very, very heavy. And Liam's doing probably what he does best, which is belting it out. And it's, it's a real swagger. kind of strong, it's a strong yeah, song. It's just, it's just full of swagger, isn't it? And I think, like you said, the difference between definitely maybe and what's thrown on in glory is just, I suppose, their kind of like rise to fame as well. They probably wouldn't have had helicopters and definitely maybe. <laughs> but <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. But that was like the step up. We're like, we're, we're superstars. We are, we are rock stars. And, like kind of like arrogant and yeah just it's just such a good song and never never fails to cheer me up when it comes on well, the good thing about this track and I think um what helps it stand up is really when it's done acoustically as well when Noel Gallagher does it as a, a stripped down version and I yeah. think when you hear those songs how he you know originally kind of recorded or, or demoed them they are given a sort of a different kind of poignancy as well. And I think that's quite nice for this song because it does it does work in a, in a stripped down acoustic fashion as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Noel, yeah, you can say that about a lot of the songs as well. Like when Noel does um, his own versions, he's just a genius, isn't he? Mm. And I kind of feel a bit sorry because Noel doesn't really get as much love nowadays as maybe Liam does. But I mm. think it's just I love them both equally. And hope we're going to see both of them next year. Ah. So we've got tickets to go and see Noel. Um, in Harborside in Bristol and Nebworth, Liam and Nebworth. That's going to be a pretty iconic gig, that, isn't it? What about you? Did you get a ticket for? I've seen them both before. Not, I'm sorry, I've seen them as a band before. I saw them at Nebworth, uh, the original Nebworth Oasis oh, show. Did you? And I saw Oasis in my hometown uh, at, at um, the Guildhall when they were 
Southampton Guildhall when they were first, I think whatever had just come out or was just coming out. So I saw them when oh. they were before. Well, they were, they were big then. I mean, but the, you know, they've played my local, um, you know, starter band venue as well. But yeah, I think you know, my own story with Oasis is just, I think they made me want to be in a guitar band. I think they wanted, you know, I was already playing guitar. I was playing you know, like I say, heavy metal badly because it's a very, <laughs> a very difficult genre of music to play musically. But then, you know, Noel Gallagher comes along and Oasis come along with four chords or three chords, even if you're lucky. And you can instantly play it and you can instantly put a pair of sunglasses on and to stand in front of your mirror practicing it. And that's pretty much <laughs> what I did for my entire teens. But Oh, that's cool, though. But it did it inspired. I think about all the like the guitar bands that have come through since Oasis, like the like the inspiration that they've had on so many people like generations and it's I think Oasis are well obviously there's other bands as well but I think Oasis are kind of that band that will always keep some element of guitar music going because mm. they just they just don't never die do they like Oasis have been just as popular now as they ever have been and I obviously with the younger generation as well they all love Oasis and they love Liam and that keeps on inspiring just guitar bands which I think there's gonna be a new wave as well coming through yeah, I think so. We've seen with like the Snuts and the Lathams both getting um, number one albums. So yeah, it's an exciting time for guitar bands. But Oasis are definitely really influential. And I think they always will be. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And I, I like what Liam Gallagher's doing now, which is with his live shows, he's doing as much for the, the hardcore fan base that, that as he is for his new fans and his new music, which is I still think is pretty good and it stands up. But he's he's um, it feels to me like he's changed, like in a way that he's slightly more I don't know he's aged like a wine yeah <laughs> and it, that gone the swag is still there but it's got like a very genuine uh tinge to it you know before mm. I think you know he used to you know you they were quite marmite or he was especially you know in terms of winding people up or, or just coming across as extremely arrogant which I think he probably yeah. was but now, now I think nowadays he's kind of done himself a few favours by just being quite genuine. And I think that's what Noel potentially could do a little bit more of. I think he's said some things that have made him sound like a real old fart. And yeah. I think and that's, that's the problem with, I think, Noel's uh, appeal is that he's coming across like a bit of a grumpy old man. Whereas... Yeah, he does. And he's, <laughs> he's quite reserved, isn't he, as well? So he doesn't really sort of say much on social media whereas Liam is like the man of the people so he'll he'll be up at like seven o'clock in the morning every morning just chatting away to everyone yeah and I think that's that's what makes people love Liam as well because he, he is just genuinely so funny as well but I think Noel's a really funny guy mm. he just doesn't really get in get sort of so involved with stuff and then yeah you'll you'll hear him make some like snark snarky comments <laughs> during interviews and stuff oh. um, and you and sort of go think, oh god please no don't say yeah, anymore <laughs> I know Oh, but no, he's he's still great, and like Noel's solo stuff is still absolutely amazing. Like, I think just the last of all, his the um, High Flying Birds albums, like some of his best work has been on those. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think they probably gets back together in the next ten years. Just Do you think so? Yeah, I'm gonna. I, put, I don't know. They'll bury the hatchet somehow. Something really <laughs> I bad. Th- I happen. thought I thought there was that moment when after that um that the awful bombing in Manchester mm-hmm. um there was that moment obviously when Liam came on stage and I think like that for me like I thought if there was ever a time for Noel to go back with the Oasis it would have been that moment but mm. so when he didn't and it was just Liam doing it I was kind of like oh I don't know if it's going to happen again but you never know Fingers might, 
yeah fingers crossed that'd be amazing but if not they're both still great on their own yeah definitely okay number three which is ironically uh well not ironic but it's the the rivals what's number three sam so i could i couldn't i couldn't choose a Britpop top five without having a bit of blur and again i, I still just don't know what song but I, I have to go with a song that is just so synonymous with Britpop. so my third choice is park life by blur yeah. Just the most amazing music video as well. I just that always reminds me as well of being a kid, like sitting there on the telly and watching Park Life. And um, but yeah, just just a great great tune. Yeah, it's a great song, and also one of the ones that you said you mentioned the video there, but the the video is just as iconic as the song itself because videos just don't seem to. I don't think I ever really watched music videos. If I did, they weren't like that, and it was no. just a proper tongue in cheek kitschness about it, which is just a, such a joy to watch. It really was a music video. I think even when I was like growing up and stuff, we always had like MTV and the other music videos. And we used to spend hours just watching music videos and they're always such a big thing. And I think bands still do make music videos, but I don't think people are really into them anymore because it's just people don't really spend so much time to those watching telly. And there's, I don't even know if there's music video channels anymore. I'm not sure. No, well, the the ones that we used to watch, MTV, VH1 and all those ones were like, yeah, Yeah. now they're all reality programmes. It's all, it's weird stuff. I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. (laughs) No, me neither. It was always good though, the music videos. It was always a big part of a release as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But this, this is, um, this single was a, came out in 94 from, from the album Park Life. And it is a standout track of the era. I mean, you can't really talk about Britpop without Park Life. A, no. defi- a defining song and with the guest vocals from um phil daniels as well i mean what a what a just sort of strange thing to come uh, know. to you know i know and he was like obviously the star of like quadrophenia as well so it's kind of yeah that which is another such one of my favorite films um but yeah it's just really cool it's just it's just great it's just what it is like an iconic song and perfectly i think perfectly defines Britpop for me yeah and you can just um it's another wedding song, I think. Uh, <laughs> another wedding. <laughs> I know, I've playlist. gone quite easy though, haven't I? I could have got a bit more obscure, but I think know, we could I... talk about Blur in itself on a podcast uh, series. I mean, that you could just dissect everything that Damon Albarn and the crew have done over the years. Yeah. But in this, I think the fact that they're still um, able to get back together and do shows together and release stuff, um, and you know, Damon Albarn and. Uh, Graham Coxon are releasing solo music which is still really clever and thoughtful um, and they've all gone in their own different directions as well but there's always that thing with Blur that they're always still going to be a unit and they get on really well and there's no sort of I don't know band politics or there doesn't seem to be so that's always encouraging. Yeah definitely I saw I can't remember the name I can't I can't remember what his band was he had like he did like a little musical project I think it was like 2012 and I saw Damon Albarn mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was called now Good, the bad and the ugly no I, I, can't, I can't remember it was only it was only like a very small project that he did for a little while and yeah. he played at this place in Marlborough actually which is down the road for me and um, but yeah he was really good you know he's just 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 synonymous with the 90s isn't he and like the whole yeah. like you say like the blur and oasis rivalry which is just yeah. great like, like I think nowadays like bands kind of don't don't seem as famous as they used to because of like social media and people being able to like talk to them and interact with them I think back in those days like they, these guys were absolute superstars weren't they and it was just like the whole celebrity thing I think people feel a bit close to celebrities nowadays but back in the 90s they were just always on a pedestal yeah definitely and who who did you um support on the the massive rivalry thing 
uh, was it are you an oasis or a blur person when oasis they... yeah my family was oasis as well so yeah even though I wasn't really really proper into them it was always oasis yeah, yeah. but I, I, I love blur too and like now I'm older and into music like blur's got an amazing back catalogue mm. I was I, I bought both singles just so you know since I was in the middle on the fence oh did you <laughs> Just made it null and void. <laughs> yeah. um, although that didn't Noel Gallagher always, uh, say that they they messed up the the barcodes, didn't they, on the release of um, what was the song they went up against? With? Roll with it, didn't they? Because uh, some of the sales didn't get registered or something. So he, he claims oh. that he claims so that he, he claims. won it. <laughs> so it's quite a Trump Trumpy thing to do back then, isn't it? To say stop yeah. the count. Um, <laughs> so choice number four, um, a bit of a a bit of a change in direction and especially in kind of mood but what was your what's your fourth choice so my fourth choice is the beautiful the drugs don't work by the verve yeah 1997 uh off the album urban hymns which i think oh, it's my favorite favorite verve album i think yeah i, th- I, I think, think um it's, it's one of those i mean well you tell me why you love the song so much um, I said so I could have got I could have gone with other songs, but I just I think the drugs that work is my favourite verse song. It's just so beautiful, and yeah, it's just like you said another another side to the whole nineties Britpop era. Just I just I just think Rich Ashcroft is an absolute genius. Yeah, and yeah, it's just it's just a gorgeous song. I think this song came. I mean, this album ninety uh, seven. So we've got two years, two three years after the kind of whole explosion of you know you like your park lives and uh, definitely maybes and things so music was maturing we were kind of moving away from that kind of uh the swaggeriness or the kind of kitschness and we're moving into sort of sort of more acoustic driven uh sounds that we've got in especially the early 2000s it's such a melancholic song and it is and it's quite simple as well like mm-hmm. it's like there's like you say it's an acoustic song but just with the most amazing lyrics um just just absolutely stunning and I Richard Ashcroft's voice just blows me away and even now like he sounds exactly the same now as he did I've seen him live a couple of times and mm. I'm just I can't watch him supporting Liam and he came on stage a bit worse for wear should we say but when he started singing it was just like a recording he just sounded absolutely amazing but yeah he's yeah. he's just an absolute genius and obviously he was a huge inspiration to like Liam and Noel so mm-hmm. if it wasn't for him we probably wouldn't have Oasis and but yeah, I think I don't know if Rich Ashcroft. I assume he's going to be coming back because he's, he's done a few shows, hasn't he, recently? But he's yeah, just still like even now, just sounds absolutely incredible. Yeah, another good he voice. Spent, he spent the night in my local police station once. <laughs> what was he doing? Apparently, Do you know? um, well, so there's this town called Chippenham, which is only down the road. Apparently, he was a bit off his nut one night and decided to go down to the local youth centre. And he walked in and offered to teach them all how to play music. But it got to the point where he was being really aggressive. <laughs> Aggressively <laughs> they, teaching. They tried to ask him to leave and he was like, no, I'm going to teach you to play music. And in the end, they were like, look, you really need to go. Like, there's other kids here and stuff. And they had to call the police and he got locked up in the local police station down the road. <laughs> See, this is where your passion can get you. <laughs> I know, bless him. But yeah, I think it was on the, I think it was early, early noughties he did that. Yeah, carried away. <laughs> He got carried away. He's just passionate. He doesn't want to share his passion. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I think he just terrified everyone. Yeah, when you're Richard Ashcroft, off your nut, and, you know, maybe it can be a little bit intimidating. I think it's <laughs> even the hardest Mancunian. <laughs> yeah, great. Great choice. Thanks, Sam. Final choice, then. Let's let's go out with a, with a bang. Number five. So, yes, absolutely love this band. 
didn't do enough for me. It would have been amazing to see what they were capable of. Um, I was going to go for feeling because that is probably my favourite song by the last. But mm. again, I just had to choose something that kind of means like Britpop for me. So I've gone for There She Goes by the Lars. What a beautiful song. Oh, God. Not the uh, Nine pun- Pence and the Richer version. Did oh, you- no. <laughs> I've not heard that. No, no, they were good, though. No, I've not heard that version. <laughs> yeah, they recorded the version of it without not really kind of realising whether it was about heroin or not. I don't. I mean, we still don't really know if the if the song is about drugs or about unrequited love. But um, <laughs> if, if, if you if you believe what it is about sort of heroin, then it's it, it does it does make sense with regards to kind of yeah. what, what they were like but yeah I love this song I love it so much that I think it's one of the songs that comes on that wh- whenever it comes on it's just a, it does change how you feel yeah. yeah it's just a work it's just a little bit of work of genius it's only a very short song but it's just it's just absolute genius and like you say whenever it comes on it's just like oh it's just so good I would have just loved to have seen what they could have done but I think there's obviously reasons I think I think there must be some bands that just aren't cut out for that kind of lifestyle like your whole life like being in the limelight and for whatever reason they just decided not to sort of carry on which is kind of you know it's sad but yeah just an an amazing album and one of the best songs ever written I think yeah I think so it'll be be like another song that I would probably like to be played somewhere important like a funeral or something I I would love you know that sounds really morbid <laughs> but I, I think we, yeah, see you later um but yeah I think we, we, when you get to a certain age you kind of think about wow crack I could go any minute and you think well what songs would you like that would turn not turn the mood because obviously you want people to be sad <laughs> yeah no, it's not good <laughs> yeah. so you get a dance at a funeral <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have you know the chemical brothers or anything but this 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 song has just got such a lovely feeling to it and it's um I think for me the guitar the guitar uh hook and the main riff to it and the simple the simple chords um and the, the vocal line is just superb and the, the falsetto yeah. and everything um and yeah i mean technically it was first released in 88 but yeah re-released in 19, <laughs> 1990 was the reissue because obviously yeah. they were just bubbling under with the first album uh with the album and then i think it got another release in 20 2012 for some reason rather than like another reissue but it you know it's played all the time everywhere and uh I think you can never get old of it. it uh, no, never get no. never get tired of it. It's it's super. It's just heartwarming, isn't it? It's just a heartwarming little jingle. But it's just I think there must be. It's, I must suppose when you're writing music, it's kind of like a, an equation, isn't it? Or no, like yeah. what do you call it? A re- chemical reaction. So I think mm-hmm. just sometimes you just have the right lyrics, the right guitar riff, and the right idea at the same time, and it you just get these little moments of just little perfection. And it's, that's just one of those songs, I think. Yeah, and I would have loved to have been in the room when they wrote it, or at least if, you, if you're in a band and you write something like that, you must think to yourself, you know, that moment where you look at each other and go, this is a corker. This yeah, is, but then I good. suppose on the other hand as well, you write something as amazing as that, release it, and there's that pressure then, isn't there, to try and continue to, yeah. to do that, which I can imagine is quite like must be hard work <laughs> like a lot of pressure on bands to are you a, do it. but yeah it's just a classic I love it are you a fan of the cast as well did you get into cast because of John Crow? oh I love cast yeah and do you know what I did I, and I was thinking about earlier so cast were amazing bands when they from the 90s absolutely amazing they're going on tour again next year so they're still about and um, but mm. yeah I've not seen ever seen cast so that would be really good to go and see them and um, but yeah they're, they're all right it's such a good album yeah well 
Sam, these are great choices. And I think we could, you know, like you say, this is hard to define anything when it comes to music <laughs> or at least put pigeonhole or at least select anything. But I think you've done perfectly well in terms of the, the brief and the remit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, perfect, perfect choices. And thanks so much for talking about, uh, well, five great bands. And like I say, we could choose 10 songs from either of these artists and still be like in safe hands. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I did kind of play it safe, but that was just in my mind. Like if I had to, if I had to pick five songs that kind of sum up what it is for me, it, it would be those. But no, it's been really fun. Thank Good. you for having me. And where can we find you on on your uh, sort of the interwebs? <laughs> um, you can find me at Shina underscore Sam. <laughs> if you haven't already, come and give me a follow. And, I'm sure uh, everyone's fed up with me. <laughs> <laughs> what are you up to next? What's on the horizon? Anything interesting with the band or that you're, what band are you uh, managing? They're called the Ra's, who are from Scotland. Um, and yeah, so they've just finished a UK tour. Well, kind of Scottish slash Newcastle tour. Um, but they're going back on the road and doing Manchester, Liverpool, London and doing a big headline show in Edinburgh next spring. So get your tickets if you haven't already. They are flying, apparently. So that's good. They only went on sale on Friday, so they've sold mm-hmm. really well. I think we've we've sold out like way over a hundred for the big Edinburgh show, but that's like in the space of a few days is great. Um, so yeah, so hopefully we've got a few festivals and stuff we're going to be doing next year. Um, under wraps at the moment. Are you going along with them and just making sure the ride is okay and they've got everything they need, like the blue, the, you know, the blue M and M's and stuff? So I'll be I'll be doing I'll be doing the the tour with them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Good. But the last time we were together, they were, they stayed out until four o'clock in the morning. And I went went to bed at midnight, and the next morning they were like, "Why didn't you stay out and tell us to go to bed?" Because <laughs> they were already hung over the next day. We had to go to Glasgow, and I was like, "Oh, sorry." <laughs> I was like, "I'm your manager, not your mother." Yeah, is it like no? They're really they're really good fun. Is it like Spinal Tap? You know, they all sort of is, is it ridiculous sort of stage antics or or tour antics? Are they kind of misbehaving all the time? misbehaving yeah no no they're fine no no it was really good fun and like it was an experience because I went in the back of the van with them and we went from Newcastle up to Glasgow that was a fun few hours <laughs> um, but no they're just lovely guys we get on really well um so yeah I'm looking forward to hopefully bigger and better things next year brilliant oh good luck with everything and have a great Christmas and oh, uh, and a happy new year oh no it's been really nice really nice to meet you and thanks for having me